Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello there, everyone. Kristen here at the top of an interview that I got to do with Leah Delion Hayes, who plays Indira in the new Slayers, a Buffyverse story. This is our final episode of coverage on the first season of Slayers, and I cannot think of a better way to close this conversation. Speaking to Leia was wonderful. I also had the chance to meet her when I was at New York Comic Con. She is a delight, and we are so lucky to have her in the Buffyverse. Before we get into today's episode, a couple of things for you to know. Uh, This is the last time we will be in your ears until uh, the fateful day, Valentine's Day, February. February 14th, in case you didn't see it elsewhere, February 14th will mark the premiere of season two of The X-Files. So please get ready. Watch the first episode of season two. It's called Little Green Men. I wonder what it is about. Uh, Who knows? I think that Scully and Mulder will both be there. Uh, You should watch it and you should tune in on February 14th. February 14th is also the day that we will drop a very special podcast for our patrons, where Jenny and I talk all about one character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer who goes by the name of Faith Lehane. Uh, We are rounding the bend to the end of Want Take Winter, where we are watching episodes of Buffy that center on Faith. We've got two watches left on the 17th of February with Who Are You and This Year's Girl, the body swap heard around the world and then also save the date February 22nd where Jenny will be doing a concert of buffering music for all of our $5 and higher patrons playing all of our favorite faith-centered buffering songs so Valentine's Day shaping up to be a big day for you especially if you are a patron because you'll get two podcasts all on the very same day This is also your reminder that all of our VIP Buffy prom tickets sold out very quickly. We have single tickets to prom that still remain. Prom, Buffy prom, if you will, is happening on Saturday, April 20th. It will be in Brooklyn at the Bell House. There will be 90s music and sing-alongs. Jenny will be doing covers of 90s songs as well as playing our buffering favorites. We will be dressed up. We will certainly do the Macarena. And if you'd like to join us, you still can. So head on over to bufferingcast.com slash prom. Come and join us in Brooklyn. Without any further ado, please, let's go chat with Leia all about the character Indira. Hell yeah. I cannot tell you how excited we are to have you inside of Buffering the Vampire Slayer to talk to you about, uh, you know, a little character named Indira who has like just blown us all away. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Oh, little character <laughs> named Indira blew us all away. I like that. I, I, oh, I will take that. I truly, truly, <laughs> truly. I mean, you know, I, I will get into it, but... 
Indira's entry into the canon of this story is, I know, uh, one of my favorite things that has ever happened to the story, and I know that I am not alone in that opinion. So um, thank you for bringing her to us, first and foremost. Oh, goodness. That is very sweet. That means a lot to me, especially knowing, of course, like you're a big Buffy fan, and you know much about this <laughs> Buffy verse. So uh, that was my only hope, is that I could come into this universe and bring something fresh, but also uh, give justice to what's already been created. So thank you. Yeah. Well, tell us how this started. I'm going to I'm going to um, pick your brain about your knowledge of Buffy before you came. But let's not start there. Let's start about let's start with the call that you got, the conversation that you had. How did this project get um, placed in front of you? You know, it was so interesting like I, I think it the call came maybe a year ago almost like almost February of 2023 is when I found out about um about Slayers and it really just came as an email in my inbox via my agent and it wasn't an audition it was from a man named Casey Whalen <laughs> and um, I, I had of course like really wanted to work with Audible that was something that I always wanted to do um, but I did not know much about Buffy I of course had a lot of friends and family who were big fans of the show but I hadn't seen any episodes um, I just knew that this was a big deal <laughs> and so uh, there was really no doubt in my mind about it I was really excited about the fact that someone had seen my work in a past project and was able to be like oh I like that girl I, I could see her doing this and ultimately it ended up leading to Indira and being able to play this character. You know, with actors, you just never know who's watching your projects and who actually is keeping an eye on you. So um, yeah, it came as like email in my inbox and I was like, oh shoot, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, I think the recording dates were literally three weeks later. It moved very quickly. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. So there wasn't a lot of time to prep. And I knew, of course, I'm on the East Coast, so they were going to be recording in Los Angeles, just trying to figure out how that was going to work and also um, figure out how I could be an addition to something that was already very much established uh, was nerve wracking for sure. Um, wow. But they were so open and welcoming from the beginning. I mean, I talked about it at New York Comic Con and um, and I've, I've said it multiple times and I will say it again, like the cast and crew was so open from the very beginning, even with such a small window of time to record, even with such a yeah. small amount of time to prep. And uh, I, I will get more into it, but like I really uh, do cherish and like respect them for that because it, it really meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the prep then, because it's funny you know, I know we've, we've talked to Chris and Amber about their creation process and Casey as well. And so, of course, they've been working and working and working. You know, I think Amber said like the pandemic was when the work on the project started. Right. And so in the math in my head, of course, right, it makes sense that you were coming in when they're ready to record. So for you, it's a much shorter prep time. Uh, what did that look like for you? Oh, my gosh. It was <laughs> it was. Um... It, it was a it was exciting one but um it was very nerve-wracking i was i was nervous i think for any new project anytime you're of course working with new people is going to be nerve-wracking um but specifically with this i i 
knew that there was a fan base and I knew that obviously the show's a ginormous hit and I just wanted to make sure that I once again was like an addition and I had something refreshing or fresh that I could add to it. Um, and I had one Zoom with Amber and Christopher. I hadn't even met Casey yet. It was just with Amber and Christopher. And every question that I had, they were like, we're going to answer everything. And I sat with them for maybe like an hour um, before we ever met in person. They answered every single question. And on top of that, they gave me all the information that I needed to know because I hadn't watched any episodes of the show. They were like, this is the format. This is what you need to know up until this point. I was, there were parts of it that like were not uh, tying in for me, which were like specifically the angel, Spike, Drusilla. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to know how all of that was happening. Um, And again, they were just like, they were prepared and detail oriented. They gave me specific episodes to watch um, before I started recording. They gave me Lover's Walk and... Oh, a doozy. So good. And then they, <laughs> so but good. the other one they gave me was crazy. Every time I tell this one, they're like, they had you watch that one? I think it's called The Body. It's the one. Oh, no. I When you yes! said that the response that you were getting, I was like, oh, no, it was The Body. It was definitely The Body. Oh, no. Oh, that no. was the first one that I watched. And I was like, no. Leia, yes! <gasps> no. <laughs> I had no idea what I was in for. And I was sobbing, like I was in my room sobbing my eyes out and I had not been introduced to these characters at all. Like I did not know what the relationship between Buffy and her mother was. Oh. And I I mean, <laughs> it, and in that way, it kind of opened my eyes to just like, I guess what my idea of the show was versus what it actually yeah. was and how, um, how they were able to touch on something like that. Even in like this mystical world that they've been able to create, there is like, at the center of it is just humanness and like this very human aspect of the show. So might be like a controversial one to start with, but it was put <laughs> <laughs> into perspective for me where I was like, Oh wait, this is different. So again, that, that first call that I had with Amber and Christopher really, it, it meant so much. And there was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life too, and like professional life. And so making like, Buffy, a one, a priority wasn't difficult, but just making sure that, like, again, I wanted, I had things that I wanted to do with it, and I went in with intention was important for me. Um, mm-hmm. And once again, just like if there was any pressure for the podcast, or if there was any pressure for this type of show, it was a, I think it was a, a, a big job for Amber and Christopher to make sure that that was not felt. Um, because when I went into that booth for the first day, it was like, we just want you to have fun and we want you to bring everything that you want to bring to this without the pressure of it's this, that, or the other, just like bring yourself and it's going to be a good time at the end of the day. And it was, it was a great time. It, it translates uh, impeccably. I mean, we in our conversations with some of the other folks who made this have heard how, you know, I think your first day was with both of the Jameses yeah. and that the minute that you hit the mic, everyone was like, oh, shit. Oh, OK. 
<laughs> oh, oh, she's actually like really, really, really good. We have to like bring our A game. But um, yeah, tell me about that. Tell, uh, you know, this is this is like the worst thing an interviewer can do, which is like asking you two questions at the same time. But I would love to hear about your time in the room. And either before that or after that, I would really love to hear just sort of how you even got here, because your career to, to date is incredible. I mean, you've been working in audio format for a really long time. I have. It's kind of, it's really crazy to even think about it. Um, and I get, I, I'll I'll come back to this. I'll answer, I'll answer the first question, um, which was (laughs) (laughs) what it was like in the booth with everybody. And like specifically on that first day, um, again, it was like being the new kid on your first day of school, but both, I mean, James C. Leary, like you can't help, but he's just like, a, he's so lovable. You can't help, but just like adore him. And he was so fun and kind from the very beginning. And same with other James, like he plays, <laughs> <laughs> same with him. Like, of course he's playing like this, this spike, very serious and like cool guy, but also just like, He's so talented. I remember that first day very vividly because when I got into the booth and I heard him do the accent for the first time and I had just seen Lovers Walk and then I saw him do it, I was like, oh, wow. that's that's beautiful. And he's able to like completely switch it on and off. Like it's nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Spike is a part of him at this point. Um, yeah. And so once again, like when you go into a booth or when you're working with these people, like they're taking the character and the role so seriously, but also adding this level of play and it makes you want to do the same. Like it makes you want to step up to the plate and deliver. Um, But that first scene is great. Even when I think of the entire podcast and what it's turned out to be like, one of my favorite scenes is definitely that first Indira's introduction. Um, It's like their energy is right here and she comes in like hot, ready to go. (laughs) Um, And in a way, like it broke the ice for me and for everyone else, but specifically for me, um, because I had no choice but to be comfortable. Like it forced me to get out of any like first day jitters or any shyness that I might've been feeling. And it was like, no, this is what the job is, is what the scene is. And I was grateful that we all just showed up and were, were here for it. You kind of dream for that thing when you're an actor, like to be offered something and something with great material. And then you, you're super lucky to end up with a cast who loves each other and is also so open from the very beginning. I imagine that the way that you hit for both of the Jameses and then everyone else that you worked with after that was incredible because you are incredibly talented, but you're also really experienced in this format. And we opened up some, um, some listener questions, you know, some of our listeners ask questions specifically because they know that we're talking today. Uh, and one of them that was recurring from a lot of people was just like, you know, t- tell us about what came before. Yeah. Um, well, I started acting probably 10 years ago now. Um, it was, and now it was longer. It was like 11 years ago. I am from the South. I lived in North Carolina. That's where I was born. And then I was raised in Texas. That's where I caught the acting bug. So, <laughs> and the performance bug. I mean, I was doing recitals and the morning announcements at my school. <laughs> that's <laughs> incredible. 
<laughs> that's what started all of this was the fact that like, <laughs> I'm so serious. Morning announcements meant the world to me. Like third grade, my teacher was like, it's my birthday. Can you go say it uh, on the morning announcements? Oh. I said, yeah, sure. I went to the principal's office. They were like, why don't we make this a consistent thing? I was going in every morning like, hi, I'm Leia Deleon Hayes. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Oh. So we need the we need that original footage, you know, your origin story. <laughs> That's so you know what I, I haven't been back to Texas, but sometimes I'll go visit um when I went last time and the time before that I, I visited my elementary school teachers. So Maybe I'll ask them when I go back. <laughs> you should. What I mean, even just to have for yourself, because that is truly like the origin of it all. It is. It really is. I remember I would do the morning announcements at school. I would come back home. I'd watch Disney Channel. And then I told my dad, I was like, I want to be an actor. Like, I, I wow. really want to take lessons. I was an ambitious child, too. Like, I, I really loved the... I just, I was very competitive. So I, yeah, yeah. when I was younger, it was very much about like, I want to be the best singer. I want to be the best dancer. I want to be the best actress. Yeah. Um, and I, I started with lessons when I was maybe eight years old. And that was after doing recitals and talent shows um, all via my school. And when I started acting lessons, I met this wonderful woman named Catherine Hart of Heart and Soul Studio, shout out in in Fort Worth. <laughs> and she was like, from, she went to Juilliard and had a theater background. And that was the first time that I can remember. Like, I remember it clear as day. Like, I was completely mesmerized by one, this woman. She's a, it's, she's astonishing. Like, I still think about her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she's like just a character. Um, mm -hmm. But I was completely mesmerized by her and a about this craft like um and I can't really explain it it just felt like it was right for me and I had done other things I had done cheerleading I was a little tap dancer for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I did gymnastics um and when I like took out my first script and it was like Philadelphia cream, che cream cheese commercial I was like oh this is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that one of your first jobs? Like, was it an actual no, Philly cream cheese commercial, or it was just the the for the? Class? It was just for the class. It was just for the yeah, class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it was one of those settings where um, there were eight to twelve year old kids in the class, mm -hmm. and so you would sit down and you do improv with them, or you would just play around, and then you would do a scene, and then you would watch the scene with each other. Um, and wow. then she would critique you. She would tell you how you could have done it better. And it was like a very serious thing. And I took it very seriously. Um, and I was doing a lot of print work in Texas and I didn't want print. Like I really, I wanted to be on TV and mm -hmm. my dad and my acting coach, like, I guess they had a conversation and she was like, I think she's ready to go to LA. And I was like, okay, we'll try it and see how we feel. And ultimately it worked out because his job was also bringing him to California. So um, we moved out to LA in 2013. I was nine years old. And within six months, I found out what voiceover was. I did not know what that was. Um, yeah. But within those six months, it was like December of 2013, I had booked Doc McStuffins, which was... Right. The first time I'd ever been in a booth before, a role that I 
I had known about because I had seen the show. Of course, I was the second, um, the second girl to play Doc. But okay. like my, I had no idea what this world entailed at all. Um, yeah. And up until that point, I had only been trained for on-camera work. Uh, and even when I first got out to LA, I was doing commercials. I did an NFL Play 60 commercial. <laughs> that was my first one. That was the first one. That was the first one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did like a Wii Sports commercial, you know? Um, uh-huh. And then I, I ended up booking, it, it all moved very quickly. I booked my first movie which was on Nickelodeon and I played a character named Elizabeth on a movie called Santa Hunters um and that was like sounds so violent yeah (laughs) it was (laughs) wow Nickelodeon (laughs) we were hunting down Santa yeah (laughs) it was very dark incredible Um, yeah. And my character, she had like a, a tiara with a camera in it. She was wild. She was crazy. Wow. Um, no, but it, that was like a dream for me. The whole, uh, the whole idea was like, I wanted to move out to California and I wanted to be on Disney channel and Nickelodeon. I wanted to do the decoms, all of it. Um, and yeah. so in those six months I had my first role on Nickelodeon and then I booked Doc McStuffins like a month later for Disney Junior. And that experience alone taught me so much. It was my, it was a perfect introduction because I was close enough to see what the worlds of like a Disney Channel or even like an ABC, any of those networks, like what it produces and how other kids were handling working on those sets and environments, but I also wasn't so deep in it. I was working once a week. I uh, had a lot of time to do like homeschool and also other projects at the same time. I wasn't working with a bunch of cast members. It was just me isolated in a studio. Um, Mm -hmm. But because of that, it allowed me to create like this wonderful relationship with the director and with the writers of doc um, and this familiarity and comfort that again, like you just, you, you get very lucky on certain projects where you are able to build that and to have that at such a young age, I am so grateful for, I would go into the studio and I would watch uh, Loretta Devine and, uh, Laura Jill and all these actors who are playing on doc. And I would just watch them because so much of my knowledge up to that point was not centered around the audio world. And not only did it help me with voiceover work, but it helped me with on camera as well. Like there's certain sectors of this industry that um, they don't tell you about or completely different from the other. And Mm -hmm. to be able to, come out to LA thinking like, all right, I know what I want to do. And it's going to be fun because I know exactly how it's supposed to be. (laughs) And in those six months, like the path was like, oh, well actually mm, this could be something fun. This could be something interesting for it to happen so quickly. And it, for, for it to be something that I didn't expect, even now translates to the way that I view my career, view my path is like, I, there is no reason anybody should, but also it's just even more of a testament that I can never and should never put myself into a box or right. um, try to 
categorize myself or fit into something I'm not supposed to fit into. And Doc taught me all of that. So um, it's kind of like a long-winded way of getting to where we are no, now. But... No, no, I'm... <laughs> It's incredible. And I think it's, I mean, you know, it's very interesting to learn sort of your roots in the industry and, and how you wound up here and doing all of the incredible work that you're doing at this point. But I also think, you know, the way you speak about it is resonant past just, you know, what you're doing with your career. It's like when you're open to some of the things that are put on your plate, then things you could maybe have never imagined open up before you. So exactly. Um, I, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I I did wonder if there was um, a format. I mean, you've done a lot of um, like audio. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but like audio only format. Yeah. Um, but you also were on screen and, you know, you've at least mentioned in the in the very beginning doing some theater. Um, are you someone who sort of enjoys everything equally or are you, do you like lean towards certain formats more than others? I know it's so interesting. I think what I love most about, I mean, any uh, sector of the industry that you go into, whether it's voiceover, theater, film, or TV, they're all going to be different. And it's all going to be different depending on the show that you're on to or the project that you're on. Um, but it just, it means everything when you love the people. Like if you have people there who you're able to collaborate with, you're able to come up with ideas with, who are open to the idea of playing, um, mm -hmm. who make the environment feel not just like safe because they wanted to remain safe, but like make it safe for you to create and just like yeah. play. Like that means the world to me. Um, there's things that I'm certainly interested in. I mean, there's, I love voiceover because of that. I mean, it's a, almost more intimate than on camera because you're in a studio, especially if you're doing it with the cast, like, which we got to do for Buffy. It's a very intimate thing. You are going through it together. You're spending eight hours in one room with people for two weeks, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you build a bond with people, you know, they become your family. I only worked on Buffy for five days. <laughs> like Jeez. I worked on that show <laughs> for five days. And by the end of it, I hugged those people who are part of Audible and I hugged the cast and I hugged the writers. Like I had known them for years. Yeah. It's, it's like that form of, or just any form of art, like the fact that it can bring people together like that, whether it's, you know, music or acting or painting, who knows, but just the yeah. fact that like, you can create something with people who are all showing up every single day and they want to make it great. They want it to be the best yeah. that it can be. That, that means the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're reaching down into the most vulnerable parts of yourself. I mean, at least that's how I understand mm -hmm. it, right? If you're creating, that's really it. So it's, I, I imagine that whatever the format, it's an incredibly intimate experience to create together. Exactly, exactly. And it's very different. That's the thing. It's like the one consistent thing is like, okay, well, um, the people that you're making it with, like, that's what I would like to stay, the through line between all of these mm -hmm. different sectors. But yeah are also different. Like I love 
I love on camera and I, I truly love film and I love TV as well. Um, and animation is cool. It's like, but when I was younger, I had a huge theater phase. <laughs> so yeah. all... Listen, don't worry. I, I won't force you to pick. Yeah, you, can't you, you can have them all. Can't you can have them all. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> Um, I want to touch, I want to go back to a moment that was very intriguing to me. And I know to anyone who's listening to this, when you said that you watched The Body and Lovers Watch, um, <laughs> yeah. because in, in my mind, right, like, okay, you got cast as Indira, so you had to like somehow ingest seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer before you hit the mark. And now I'm realizing probably that wasn't possible um, and maybe not even beneficial. But were there other episodes? Like, did you, did they give you sort of a little starter set of episodes or like, what was the fullness of that? Oh my God. It was, (laughs) there were so many stragglers, so many stragglers. (laughs) They did it. They really only gave me those two episodes. And then they were like, you should watch the finale. I was Mm -hmm. spending my days and my nights on those fandom websites. I was like, all right, I need them. I was on Reddit. <laughs> truly Indira, truly like digging into the Reddit of it all. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, break it down, you know? Um, and once again, that was my first introduction to seeing, okay, the fan base knows because like they're able to not only explain this to me, but also they're able to come up with their own theories and their own hopes or predictions for where the show is, is or was going. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of like research on my end, just trying to figure out once again, like how the pieces of the puzzle make one puzzle. (laughs) And then I watched like the first season completely. And what a season it is. What a season it is. (laughs) It's a real, it's a real first season. It's like very, very much the epitome of what a first season of a lot of TV is. You know, it's like monsters of the week, emotional, all over the place. I mean, there were like different relationships that I didn't realize were a thing in the very beginning. I was like, oh, okay. Also, Buffy Summers in her outfits, like, let's not, let's not play. She, (laughs) she, yeah, she was. I mean, we'll get to the Cordelia of it all, I but, mean, you know, Buffy and her outfits, but also Cordelia, really Cordelia and her outfits as well. Cordelia and her <laughs> charisma is just everything. She is everything. Here. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I, I had ended up watching like the first season and then I had watched some episodes with a character named, I think it's Faith. Is it the name of the character? Oh, yes, indeed. It yes. Is. yes. And I was like, oh, this is also different. Um, but it, she had like it was an iconic outfit for Buffy. I think she had the red pants on and it was like a really fun fight scene with her and Faith. And then mm-hmm. I, I think it's, that's the one where they fly out the window. Yes. Together. They fly out the window. Perhaps, together. perhaps Buffy stabs Faith in the stomach and Faith falls onto a moving yes. truck. I think that's Yes. Yeah. It was something like that. <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun and innocent. You know, they were just two girls having a good time, yeah. you know, super chill, just like hunting Santa. actually. <laughs> Super, very innocent, very, very chill. I love how we can bring it back to Santa. Yes. yes. Um, one of the one of the listeners submitted questions. You might not even have the the um, 
intel to answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because now you've mentioned faith. Okay. Um, and so someone asked if you think that Indira has any parts of the original three slayers, which is Buffy, Faith, and Kendra. So uh, assuming that you know the lore of how this worked, but maybe I shouldn't. Should I tell you the the sort of like biblical who begat who? Yes, I want to know lore. Tell me the lore. So so Buffy dies at the end of season one, which you've she seen. She does. And that calls a second slayer. That second slayer is Kendra, and Kendra shows up in season two. And then Kendra is killed. I'm spoiling oh stuff. Oh, my gosh. But you know what I mean? Oh, no. It's, sorry. Should I not spoil no, no, no. it? Do you want to watch? I, I need to know. Okay. I need to know these. So things. Kendra, Kendra is killed by Drusilla. Um, Drusilla. Yeah, True. Drusilla kills Kendra, and then that brings Faith. That calls Faith. Oh. So those are the original three um, Slayers. So if you haven't met Kendra, then you can't actually answer this question. But you should for sure meet Kendra. I haven't met Kendra. <laughs> Kendra was was uh, gone way too soon. Honestly. Oh my gosh! Um, Did she was she only in the second season? She's only in the second season. She shows up and she like fights side by side. I don't know if you've heard Mr. Pointy or seen anyone maybe at the cons bring like a very special steak that's like sort of squiggly at the end. No. But Kendra has like her favorite steak and she gives it to Buffy. Um, and I mean, you should you should watch it. The the last uh, few episodes of season two are gutting and very beautiful. Um, but yeah, Kendra was gone uh, much too fast. Oh my gosh! Uh, and. Yeah. And I feel and, and very important. I actually thought that they had brought some of Kendra into Indira specifically because in my listening, you have a stake right. that you get and you give it to Cordelia. And right. I was like, oh, this is a full riff on Kendra. But perhaps I was just, you know, really nerding out with my family. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? I'm so OK. That's actually so upsetting that I have not been introduced to Kendra. That's yeah. Yeah. You listen, listen, I, it, all of us are banking on season two. So you have plenty of time. Uh, yes. But watch season two for sure. Watch season two. Meet Kendra because Kendra came before Faith. And uh, really, a lot of the fandom is has always been very uh, upset about how uh, quickly we lost. Kendra. Oh, my goodness. Especially as the only I mean, Kendra was the only slayer of color who was like actively on the show. The only other slayers of color that were on the show were like, you know, we learn about like a slayer from the 70s and a slayer from like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. But other than that. Um, yeah. That's so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so exciting. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to, okay, well, I'll, I'll start picking it up again. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm learning. Well, I'm learning. <laughs> well, I have, I have, I mean, before we get back into the booth and the slayers and, and all of that, I have one more Buffy proper question for you because, you know, you've only watched a couple episodes and obviously you're probably partial to Spike, but <sighs> There's a huge debate in the fandom of, you know, is it Buffy and Angel or is it Buffy and Spike? Or if you're us making a very queer podcast about the show, is it Faith and Buffy? But that's a whole other conversation. I, really, I don't know. That Faith and Buffy episode that I watched was, <laughs> look, I kind of shipped. Yeah. I shipped. Yeah. Sorry. Good. Listen, correct answer, honestly. Fuffy for Buffy the win. For, <laughs> Buffy for the win, low key. Like, <laughs> because I, I, I've seen some episodes with Angel and of mm-hmm. course, and there was one episode I watched. It was, I don't, I don't remember if it was one from season two or season one, but Angel did something very bad and said something very mean to Bobby. <laughs> 
Yeah, listen, I, I'm fine with throwing Angel out, out the door. But. I didn't like the way that that was treated, Angel. And I, he hasn't sat right with me since then. And then with Spike, I know they have lovely romance, but I have also yeah. seen some things that I did not think were cool. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would think is cool. So I mm-hmm. honestly, I'm legitimately saying like I am here for Faith and Buffy just because like I haven't seen Faith do any crazy like the way those two men did some crazy on Buffy yeah (laughs) great listen you are what you you have found your community here at buffering the vampire slayer we are also mostly uh team Buffy uh (laughs) over here so (laughs) as a podcast network our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's get back into Slayers proper, um, because I do want to talk about your work with Charisma um, and also just like the Indira uh, Cordelia relationship. Um, I'd love to hear about some of the work that you and Charisma did to bring that to life in such a beautiful way. Oh my gosh. Those are like my favorite scenes that we got to record together. A lot of the ones that I have with Cordelia meant a lot to me. Um, And again, it was, it's just, it was such a quick 
turnaround, I think for both of us, um, where we didn't have like any lunches or dinners or time to hang out before we had actually recorded the scenes together. But in the same way it was for, I'm so serious. I'm like not, um, kind of hamming this up or anything like I I was like you can see you can curse here you can oh, say okay yeah I was about to that's say the word you wanted <laughs> yeah, to yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> that's what I'm basically trying to say. I'm not trying to bullshit like yeah it was yeah. It, it it was such an interesting project to work on because I had never felt so emotionally connected to um people so quickly that once again by the end of it like it was hard to leave them but specifically with charisma when she came in it was probably my like second or third day so we had done everything with um spike and with uh <laughs> james elier <laughs> and <laughs> so i was uh i already had kind of formed some type of connection with them and then when charisma came in again it was her first time doing voiceover um it was kind of that same feeling of like we were all very nervous and didn't know how this was going to be. They had heard about the project like a year before they had gotten started. Um, so it was a lot of just like, oh, we didn't know. And of course, I came in. I didn't really know too much about the project and how their relationship as a cast was going to be. So I was trying mm -hmm. to like give it all space and give it all time. And it became this wonderful thing because um charisma once again like this was her first time doing voiceover and so she would ask me questions or um kind of just like give some space to me to kind of like help her out in some type of way and then it yeah. help her out is such a weird way of putting it but um but that makes sense I mean it's a different format and you had such experience with exactly it. yeah it's just a, it's a very different format and so in a way I think she uh she felt support in that way. And then I was doing the exact same thing because I needed support in the way that the show was and how her character was represented. There was also, of course, like the big lore of uh, behind the scenes that I was not aware about either. Um, and so in a way we sort of leaned on each other because of that. And there's a very specific thing too, with any project when you're working with women and when you have scenes with women like I'm an only child I always wanted a big sister I always wanted a little sister even um and I could relate to that feeling Indira has of wanting guidance or mentorship and when she meets somebody who not only is badass and like doing everything that she wants to be able to do, like someone she finds incredibly inspiring, but also someone who believes in her and someone who is filling her with hope and faith and like, mm -hmm. and was able to create like this sisterhood and bond throughout the scene. And so every time that we recorded one of those scenes, it felt like we were speaking to each other. Like hmm. it didn't feel like there were mics. It didn't feel like it was coming from a, an authentic place because of just the way charisma is as a person one, but also the way that it was written, I think was just, it wasn't a difficult thing to get into because it felt hmm. so, uh, 
it felt very real to a lot of the feelings that I had already had, like growing up or even that I have now, just wanting that feeling of sisterhood and, and guidance. Um, so yeah, it was very special. And I, I still, I give a lot of props to the cast once again, because a lot of them hadn't done voiceover before. And it's a very weird thing when you're like running around and you are realizing like, this is a full body exercise (laughs) every single day. Like (laughs) it is an exertion of energy. You go home and you are exhausted, but as, as difficult as it is to do the uh, fighting scenes or combat or whatever Mm -hmm. scenes, it is equally, if not even more difficult to really like be vulnerable behind a microphone because it feels like it, it just is weird and it doesn't work because you kind of want to touch each other. You want to like be close to another person. You can't really Mm -hmm. do that obviously behind a microphone. Um, and charisma brought that, like she brought her heart every single day to the studio and I felt that everybody else was able to feel that. So that's very powerful. Very, very powerful. And it's like, you know, we, obviously on a on a technical level, you know that clearly you all have to be on your own mics to create uh, an audio drama that is especially at this level. Right. But there were moments when I swore that you all were sharing the, the mic. Like there's a moment when um, I think Cordelia hugs Indira and Indira says something like, are you hugging me right now? And, you know, Cordelia says like, no, or like, Mm-mm. and I'm like, they're hugging though, right? Like they're really, the, the actors are hugging. They have to be. It sounds like, like I can see the hug, you right. know? In our uh, which minds is- we're hugging. <laughs> Such a testament to to make that translatable over audio. I mean, it really it's uh, I mean, for me and I'm sure a lot of uh, Buffy fans, it's also really the first time I've ever listened to um, an audio drama Mm. like I I'm and I'm not great at that. Like I'm a visual person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the moments in the series where like I was like, I can see this happening. I was just astounded every time at the work that you all did to make that happen. Thank you. That that means a lot. I mean, you can tell I'm sure. I mean, you know, you've seen it, but there's so much love that that cast has for each other. It's like. Mm -hmm it's deep and it's not, it goes beyond just like the show. It goes beyond just the history that they have. Like they truly adore each other as people. And when that love is already felt and established, like you don't have to try and create it. There's no fabricating, none of that. It makes the transition for somebody like me much easier to just get on board. Um, that love is stemming from like a place of, once again, they want the show to be great and they want it to be the best that it can be. But also they just, they love what they do. They love their characters so much and they they love the people. Like they really do. That's what was astonishing to me is I was like, wow. In these five days, I've been able to meet people who truly love a project. Like they love it. Mm And so once again, it just makes the transition way easier because one, I not only want to be a part of it, but like, I want to be an addition and two, it just, it makes you want, it motivates you to want to do a good job because you care about the people. It goes beyond just like the work aspect and it is coming from a place of like, I care about these people. I want to not only make myself proud, but I want to make them proud too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we've we've had a similar experience from the outside of just one by one talking to folks from the cast and the crew and just being like, man, they are all just so wonderful. Like it's it's not a, it's not a show. It's it's real. Like their love for each other is so real. <laughs> and ex- extending off of that, you know, their respect for an interaction with the fandom is something that I also find to be incredibly rare and genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wonder what your experience, you know, obviously you were at uh, New York Comic Con. I'm not sure if you've done any other cons um, surrounding Slayers, but I would love to hear about your experience, you know, with the fandom of the show as well, since since Indira was born, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, that's like the most beautiful part about this industry, it's the most beautiful part about art is like it is able to translate and reach people. And with this project specifically, like it's not just the love from the cast, it really is the love from the fandom and the people who love it, who in a way also, in many ways, not just in one way, but they motivate um, the people who are a part of it to do such a, or do a good job at least. New York Comic Con was incredible. Like that was my first introduction to the fandom. And I haven't done many cons since. Uh, I want to, I'm hoping to do some into this year, like a couple more, but even the response online, like it's one thing to see it on Instagram or on Twitter, um, which was definitely a big deal. I mean, when I, first put out or told anybody that I was going to be a part of this project, even the people who were part of my team, like my stylist was like, you're going to do what with who? Are you kidding me? I mean, I was finding out things about my family and my friends that I did not know about them. Like at all, like family members who have Buffy tattoos and like have kept this (laughs) a secret. So, you just have to know where to look. I got you, know? you just have to know where to look. Gotta know where to look. I gotta yeah, know what to ask. I have to look exactly. for. Yeah. I mean, my dad's best friend, like, is a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Like, oh, how fun! Poster in the room. Like, watches the reruns. <laughs> <laughs> and I had an idea, like I kind of understood, but I, but I didn't. But then I didn't at all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was learning so much about uh, the people who I'm closest with who were big fans of Buffy. Um, and it, and it, once again, it just, it goes beyond, I love this world or I love the universe that they've created. Like they are, they love the characters so much and the characters have helped them get through hard times or tough times. Um, and that's been such a beautiful thing to see. Even when I went to, Comic-Con and that was my first introduction to actually seeing people and like meeting people who love the show, um, getting interviewed by people like you who love the mm-hmm. show so much. Even the few women of color who came up to me and they were like, you don't understand. Like I, I wanted to see a character like yours be a slayer when I was a young girl. Like when I was 18, 19 years old, I was watching the show. So of course it's just, it's even more impactful when you get to see it and when you get to feel it. And there's also, I mean, there's other fandoms that I've seen who are not very welcoming to new characters or um, who aren't very open to black characters as well. And 
this was like the complete opposite. It was like welcoming with open arms from everybody that I got the chance to meet. And I do think, I mean, you feel that love from the cast and you feel it from the fandom, like it all goes hand in hand. So again, I consider myself very lucky because of that. I have even being able to see like the art people create or the types of edits they've been able to create. It's just an overwhelming, I mean, how many times have I said love in this interview, but I mean it, it's an overwhelming (laughs) amount of love that I have been able to feel. We are, we are so, so lucky to, uh, to have you in this universe really genuinely. And that comes from, uh, the realest of all real places. And I know I speak on behalf of all of probably all of the people you didn't meet at New York comic con, you know, I know that that is a a deep resonant feeling for all of us. Um, I know, I know that we are getting close to time here. So I, I just have a couple of other questions for you. Uh, though I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we get a season two so that we can chat all over again. Cause there's a million other things I know, uh, we could talk about, but, um, if we get a season two, do you have anything in your mind of like where you'd like to see Indira go? I mean, when we leave Indira, right, she's in, She's staying with Cordelia She's... and in the alternate reality. So we've got like a tag team situation here. <laughs> we have a ta- we have a tag team situation. Hmm. I mean, that's what I mean. That's what I really want is I really want to see like her and Cordelia become like a team and like yeah. I want to see them. I do. I want to see them go at it. Like I want to see them like kick ass together. Yes, um, slay together. Slay together. That's what I really want. <laughs> but also, I think like I, it'll be interesting to see how how Indira hones in on her passion, as opposed to being. And I think we got to see it a little bit towards the end of the podcast too, and just really an extension of that, like using this. Uh, fanatic way of looking at it or this like very Mm -hmm. passionate fiery uh spirit that she has and and honing in on it and using it in ways that are maybe more impactful than we got to see uh in the first season um and i would also like to see some other characters come in as well i think it would be cool to have willow who knows who knows but like yeah (laughs) you're like even yeah yeah so you know i um but i do i really am i'm looking forward to seeing like cordelia and indira's relationship and like sisterhood like really flourish in hopefully the upcoming season or seasons um yeah that's gonna mean a lot to me one just to have like two baddie slayers like doing it together Mm -hmm. is so freaking cool so and it feels like i mean something that was really cool to see uh that i didn't even realize until you know when you when you podcast about a thing, you kind of like get deeper into it than you might normally if you're just listening to it. And so when we were in discussion, the episodic discussions, I realized, you know, 
as Buffy fans, we've never really seen a Slayer at the beginning mm-hmm. um, of of her journey. And so there there were just like a couple of scattered moments throughout um, the story where, you know, Indira would see, you know, Spike's guts hanging like on the floor or something else that, that is like real and disgusting yeah. and gory and be like, oh, shit. Like I read about this on Reddit, but like that's actual intestines on the right. ground kind yeah. of vibes. <laughs> And so, and and also this vibe of like Cordelia has been slaying for, I don't even know, way too many years and is beaten down by like the pressures of that. Right. And so I think like seeing that you're brand new, fresh, ready to go um, in tandem with this person who has like a lot of the like world weary experience of um, having been a slayer for a long time is a dynamic that I know I would love to see. Yes, it is. It's like, it's the juxtaposition of those things is like interesting. You know, Mm -hmm. you have somebody Mm -hmm. who (laughs) veteran slayer (laughs) and you do have (laughs) baby slayer. Um, and in many ways can teach her the reins and also Cordelia can learn a lot from Indira, which once again, it's already kind of being set up for it to go and into that wave. But um, just expanding on that would be really interesting to see. And also Indira doesn't have, at least we haven't been introduced and we know this, like her family, she doesn't have much family. Um, And so to not only build like this Slayer badassness with Cordelia, but also this feeling of like, it's a true familial bond. Um, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see where we go with that. Yeah. And I mean, probably nothing is more a cornerstone of the universe than chosen family. Yeah. I think that for for a lot of folks, that is like the heartbeat of what makes the the universe so special. Mm. So seeing that you two found each other as this form of chosen family uh, towards the middle or end of the season was very, very cool. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's very special. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to end with a question from Meg, who you know, because Meg was in the booth with yes, you. Yes, Meg. Uh, Meg. And so I, you know, I asked some other listener questions, uh, but Meg, I'm, I'm, I'm calling out that Meg specifically <laughs> sent in this question. And I thought it would be a great way to end because ever since learning about you and be- you becoming Indira, now I follow you on Instagram and you're always simply wearing the most fantastic <laughs> outfits that anyone has ever worn. You know, you're talking about Buffy uh, slaying in her outfits and we know Cordelia is definitely wearing some good outfits. So <laughs> oh my God. But I think, I think you could take them all to task. Um, <laughs> So Meg has it's sort of a two part question, but I think it go they go together. Uh, what outfit would you patrol in? What's your what's your go to patrol outfit? And what's in your Slayer bag? What's oh. in the Slayer bag that you carry? Oh my <laughs> my go to patrol. Okay, wait, is this for Indira her patrol outfit? Yeah, I mean, if you want to answer no. for yourself, you can. <laughs> if you want to tell us what Leia would uh, patrol in, that's also fine. <laughs> That's crazy. No, no. I'll I'll leave that up to to my Instagram and whoever's imagination. Um, (laughs) Indira, though. Ooh. Okay. When I think of Indira, I think of really dark purple and I think of sleek black. Like I always see this girl in black and rainbow pins <laughs> this is the idea okay. in my head okay so if I were to put this together in like an outfit format for her to patrol in I think I'm gonna go with like <laughs> a sleek 
black bodysuit. Okay. This is what I have. Mm-hmm. Sleek black bodysuit. We're taking the backpack away, but what we are going to add is a fanny pack. Okay. Yes. We are going to Very add, in right now. Very stylish. Very in yes. right now. Very stylish. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put a lot of those little rainbow pins that I was talking about onto the fanny pack. And with yes. that, there's also a little extension because she has to have a place to like put her um, steak. So we're going to have the yes. extension where she can put her steak in there as well. But fanny pack, and then her hair would be up in a ponytail, and she would have she would have earrings with knives on them. Is what <gasps> I'm getting. Okay. Oh, I love That's that. That's also yes, what I she love would this. have. And then her- functional and stylish. Functional and stylish. Okay. Now this is where it gets a little crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it gets a little wild. Her shoes. <laughs> are going to be, I, I, I hope that you, you definitely remember these, but they're the converse that go all the way up to your knee. Okay. <gasps> Laced all the way Laced up. Laced all the way yes. up. Now they might mm-hmm. not be the most comfortable, but <laughs> she, <laughs> she can handle it. She's young. She can do it. Okay. She can do it. You know what? It's better than the heels that a lot of the Slayers wore in the series. You know what I mean? Let's get rid of those. Let's get into some flats. Let's get into like some flats. <laughs> but the thing is there will be a little heel because Indira is short since I am short. So she will, <laughs> she will have a plastic platform converse heel all the way up to the knee okay wow wow incredible that's the outfit and then what she will keep in this (laughs) fanny pack um is a stuffed animal that she's had since she was three years old and it's gonna be okay I wasn't ready for that emotional (laughs) destruction I was like, yeah, what do we have? Oh, God, my heart. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. And now the people aren't going to be able to see this, but it'll be about the size of this like little chicken. <laughs> it's going to be a very small stuffed animal oh, in her fanny pack. And so whenever she needs to think of home, because who knows, she might get homesick, even when she wants to think of her grandfather. She'll pull out this little teddy and a reminder of home. But it'll also show her that she has a destiny to fulfill. She has this thing called fate and she has to follow Oh, oh my God. And that would be her motivation. There you go. Okay, well, tune in to that <laughs> drama series. It's just called Indira's Bag and you somehow like are motivated and you weep every episode. <laughs> that sounds... I'm not sure how that sounds actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not the title. It's a working, it's a working title. title. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll workshop it. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. it. Yeah, uh, the stuffed animal I doesn't have to... have to be sad every time, you know? Right, right, right. right. Um, I had a feeling that that question would be uh, a really very fun and good place to, to wrap up. So thank you, Meg. And thank you, Meg, for all the things that you have done, because I've heard so many people uh, sing Meg and Lydia's praises, I think, yeah. uh, from, from being in the room. So True gems. Um, True gems. Yes. Um, Leia, is there are there things that you want our listeners to know about you? Do you have any I mean, of course, you have projects that are happening and that you're working on because you seem to not sleep, I think. Uh, (laughs) Get it now. Get it now before your body demands rest. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but yeah, tell us maybe where to find you or any projects we should look for outside of the Slayers universe. Sure. Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram, which is at Leia Delion Hayes. Um, and then you can find me on TikTok, uh, which is at Leia Hayes 22. Um, and then for projects, I'm in New York filming The Equalizer season four, which is on CBS. I play Queen Latifah's daughter named Delilah. Um, and it's been so much fun. We're like in the middle of filming right now. And it's one, been great to come back to work after the strike. Um, but two, again, another cast and crew that is very lovely. So tune in for that. We're premiering February 18th on CBS. And then uh. The Angry Black Girl and a Monster is a movie I did about two summers ago now and it's on amazon prime so hell yeah hell yeah oh, i saw I'm on your instagram i saw a picture of you and queen latifah and i was like oh shit she is my been a, been a queen latifah fan for as long as i can possibly remember <laughs> i gotta ask her if she's a buffy fan because like i <gasps> i don't know these things like i have to start yes I have to start to find a survey out. on the set. Please find we all we all need to know if Queen Latifah <laughs> is a Buffy fan. Please find that out for us so that when we have you back for season two, I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> you will be the first to know. Thank you so much. I'm honored. <laughs> um, well, Leah, thank you again, um, both for spending the time with us today and also for bringing us Indira. Um, I, I am really, really hoping that we get to journey forward and find out what she does next in the alternate reality. <laughs> oh, thank you. Me too. Me too. And thank you so much for having me. This was truly a, a, a blast. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.